<laughs> Thanks for the applause because in 10 minutes you might all be asleep. My name's Maria and I'm an alcoholic and I'm a grateful one at that. Um, Ryan, thank you so much for asking me and uh, it was last minute and you know what, we don't say no, right? And here I am. So um, welcome to the newcomers in the room. We're really glad you're here, all of us. Um, we're here to help reach out your hand. I hope you do. And uh, so the chip takers, huge. I literally, every chip was a milestone for me. It was a big deal. And it's a big deal that you've made it this far. And, and you can continue to do this deal. And um, and happy birthday to my uh, the birthday girls. It's lovely to see three women up here taking cakes. And uh, especially, um, not especially, but to my dear friend, Chris. I love you dearly. Um, so, um, goodness, where do I start? I don't want to really go too much into my qualifications um, because I really want to talk about how I got here and what it's like now. But basically what I did, um, you know, the very first time I ever remember feeling out of sorts was when I was about five years old. I come from a big Italian Roman Catholic family from New York. My cousins were all Italian looking, dark hair, dark eyes. I was blonde, towhead with blonde eyes, I mean, red, blue eyes. And, and they used to tell me that the stork left me on the doorstep and that I was adopted. And I, I really desperately wanted to look like them. You know, I identified with my Italian family and, uh, and I didn't look like them. And, um, you know, I used to cry and my great grandfather who was immigrated here from Italy used to sit me down on his lap and said, Maria, you a speciale. Yeah. And so he was the only one in my life that really made me feel special, honestly and truly. He died when I was 11 years old, um, the same time my parents got a divorce and um, had to move to opposite coasts. One stayed back east, one moved to the west coast. and. And whenever one would get tired of me, they'd ship me back to live with the other one. And, um, you know, one day, <clears throat> literally, well, let me back up really quick. You know what? I believe that I had this disease or disorder, whatever you want to call it, before I ever took a drink of alcohol. I used to dream, try to create my dreams. I used to read. I used to draw a lot. I did anything I could as a small child and all the way up from there to get myself out of my reality. I just did not like my reality at all. And, um, and so, um, you know, my dad was gonna send me back to live with my mother on the East Coast one last time. And I, you know, did an FU, packed my bags in the middle of the night and uh, walked down the street at 4.30 in the morning and he watched me walk away. And I'm stubborn. I never went back. You know, 16 years old. And <coughs> the only way you do what I did was drink and do, you know, outside issues was, you know, you move in with a drug dealer, you know, because then you can have whatever you want. And the bars that I went to, you know, did okay. I never had to pay for alcohol. Um, but, uh, you know, eventually that ended, you know, that, that part of my life ended. Uh, too many drug dealers had kicked me out when I was 
couch surfing. And I, uh, you know, and I, I finally ran into a group of people that were not the best group of people and they taught me how I could make money and it wasn't necessarily moral. And I did that. I did that from the age of 16 till I was well into my 20s. So I, uh, you know, I figured out after about six years of living on the street that there was one way to do this thing without the middleman. And, um, and I did that and, uh, and I did pretty well. And I drank and I used and I did whatever I could to get out of my reality and continue to do what I was doing to make a living. It was very hard. And then, uh, you know, I had a beautiful condo overlooking the ocean in San Clemente. I had a, I had a beautiful jacuzzi in the seared room overlooking the ocean. You know, I had it going. And, uh, but see, I couldn't live like that anymore. Alcohol and drugs stopped working for me. It literally stopped working. It no longer took the pain away. And so how I got here was one night I locked my bedroom door. I had a roommate. I locked my bedroom door. I didn't call anybody took an entire bottle of pills and I drank an entire bottle of booze. And I laid in the middle of my bed. And I just said to a God that I feared tremendously, um, bring me home, just bring me home, I'm so done. And then I prayed to my grandmother who had passed, who was, I was really close to. And I said, Graham, if I wake up, please give me the strength to change my life. I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea where those words came from. A day and a half later or so, I woke up in my own vomit. Divine intervention. Supposed to be here, right? Because I didn't call anybody. There was no call for help. It was, I was done. You know, I was literally done. And I called my father up and I said, you know, you need to lock me up in a room. Something's wrong with me. I'm going to do something that can't be reversed if you don't like lock me up right now. And he's like, Rhea, he says, honey, he says, you don't need a mental institution, which I had been in, in several times prior um, while I was out there. But he said, you need, you're an alcoholic and a drug addict. And I'm like, no. It's like, yes, you are. And, uh, and he gave me five phone numbers to rehab. And um, he said, I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to drive you. I'm not going to pay for so however you can do this thing, get there. And uh, I did. I, I, I uh, drove myself to a place called Cornerstone in Tustin. And I remember sitting in my car, which is, you know, had, and I was staring at the door. And it was a greenhouse with a black door. And I remember thinking to myself, if I walk through that door, something's going to happen. And I had a feeling that I wouldn't be able to walk back from it. And... Thank God he gave me the courage to walk through that door. And you know what, I was right. Because I haven't found it necessary to have a drink or a drug since. Um, I got what I needed there. I got time, I got a respite. Those of you that are in treatment, I mean, we can all get sober in the rooms, but those of you that are in treatment, you have a respite. You are, you are out of your environment. You, you know, that's the best thing that happened to me was being out of my environment. The second best thing for me was they told me you have to change everything. And that meant pe people, places, and things that all reminded me of alcohol. 
and I did that. I moved from San Clemente um, when I got out of rehab and at three months, and the other thing they said was AA, obviously big important thing and sponsor. And so I did that and I moved um, out of treatment. I moved to Laguna Beach and the very same day I got out of treatment, I walked into the old Canyon Club in 1991. And I said, um, my name's Maria. I'm an alcoholic, I had 90 days of sobriety and I don't know what to do. And I had tears running down my face. And the guy behind the coffee bar, who's a, still a dear friend of mine today, handed me the phone number of a woman. And he said, call her. And literally within 10 minutes, she was at the old candy club. And she sat with me while I cried. And uh, she, she's still my sponsor today, 32 years later. I love her to death. I mean, she loved me when I couldn't love myself. And when I complained about anything, she would make me go to the candy club and work. <laughs> I mean, literally, like, do you know where I came from? I'm not washing ashtrays. I'm not washing out coffee pots. You know, I lived on the ocean. I had it all going. I didn't, but, you know. But so, yeah, so I did that. I mean, I even put a lot of tears into painting the floor of the old Canyon Club with my sponsor one day. I called about him. And she said, get down here. And she put a roller in my hand, you know, and I did that. You know what? I was so afraid. I had a healthy fear of drinking and using again that I was willing to do whatever she had to say. And, uh, and you know, just one day at a time, things started uh, to get different. I wish I could tell you they got better right away. Um, it was hard for me. Where are we at, Nick? Okay. Um, you know, it was really hard for me, but you know what? I, I placed myself in positions to be hurt. I, I did it to me. I was not really excited about working these 12 steps and, and, and you know, wasn't interested in learning about the 12 already. <laughs> anyway, the 12, the, the principles. So I'm going to go, but basically what I want you to know is darn it. Um, I had... I have the most incredible life today. Like if you would ask me 32 years ago what I wanted, I would have totally shortchanged myself. And you know, sponsoring other women is the greatest joy that I get. And there's just, I'll just end with this. You know, happiness comes from gratitude and joy comes from working with others. Thanks for letting me share.